you sit on your heels, will then expect to not only miss out, but expect to pay more in a matter of a month or two months. Welcome everybody to another Wealthy Podcast. Today we're lucky to have the gang back. We have King Louis Heaton. Thank you for joining the show and wonderful Sam Assad. Sir, it's been a while. It's good to see you you two back on the podcast. So on this episode, we're going to be basically wrapping up season three um, and taking a two-week break um, and... We're really going to be encouraging our, our viewers, our listeners, that whilst we take this little break, we encourage you to leave some comments. You know, leave comments about what you want to hear from us in the season to come, what questions at the top of your mind, what topics you want us to cover. Um, and coming into spring, there's a lot of anticipation about what the market holds. So, I mean, without further ado, let's kick off the show and start with King Louis. What, what, what are you seeing out there? You're talking to, you know, hundreds of clients every single month and, you know, you're obviously a well-read gentleman. What do you anticipate for this spring season? It's, it's, we're all locked up. Things are starting off a little slowly, but what do you expect to happen? I expect it to um, really pump moving into summer, um, especially as we open back up not only... Um, our our communities, but <clears throat> the world. Um, I really for I, I can foresee this summer being big on an owner rock front, uh, like we saw in March when we saw auctions blasting away. Everyone knows you sell houses in spring; they look good, they feel good. Um, I think that we're we're gonna we're gonna see another a big pump in the market, and it's probably falls in line what I've said you know most weeks now that. You know, we're going to see a correction phase. We've, we've slowed down a little bit during, you know, lockdowns coming out of winter. And, and now we're, um, I, can, I can see it really picking back up as we head to Christmas. Yeah, I've, I've got to agree with you there. I do think that we're going to see that um, something's in the air. You know, when things warm up, people, houses look better. The sun's <laughs> shining for a little bit longer. So, you know, people are encouraged to get out, do the open house inspections. And I think that, you know, once we do get out of this lockdown, there's going to be a lot more, you know, people's feet hitting the pavement, getting out there to see what, what's available to them. There's going to be some change relationships in households, but then also changes in where people want to live. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I'm with you. I think, um, you know, like real estate 101, um, the sun shines out um, and it really just motivates people to, to, to head out and, um, you know, physically have a feel of places, which encourages them to, you know, to start making moves. I think, I think we just have to know, I know we sound like broken records, but last time we were in lockdown, we got out of lockdown and then there was this massive rush into the market, which saw prices soar 20, 30% in some, um, in some markets. But now there are talks from, you know, big CEOs of, of, of big financial groups, things like revenge spending. I assure you that's something that's going to take into play in the next few months whilst we start to wiggle ourselves out of this um, supposedly our last lockdown. So a um, bit of lockdown fatigue. I think our clearance rate. Um, had dropped in the last couple of weeks, which is understandable. 
but I think market activity will pick up again when people can actually go out and feel less restricted and constricted. And I feel there's going to be some serious uh, confidence boosted um, in, the, in the season to come. What was that term you just used? Something revenge? What was that? Re- it's called revenge spending. Revenge spending. What's that mean? Have you ever heard of people? it? No, I, I, I'm completely ignorant to that. What's revenge spending? How's that work? Ah, re- revenge spending is a term. Um, uh, the CEO of uh, Latitude um, Latitude Financial um, Group, um, what's his name, Faur, which is the ex CEO of, of Australia Post, is is has used this term as a term as people had saved all this money, couldn't really um, spend money on themselves or couldn't really reward themselves. And um, there's going to be a bit of a bottleneck, um, and not in a bad way, with, with, with cash surpluses increasing in accounts. And the minute this whole lockdown ordeal um, ends, people are going to go out with a vengeance and start spending money and things that they didn't do and they wanted to do and um, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel as though that will be the case. Uh, and we're, we're not, we don't have a crystal ball, so we, we, can't, we can only predict of, 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 of what could possibly happen, of what's already happened. And we saw that at the start of this year and the first two quarters of this year where lockdown was, well, you, know, you know, lockdown had ended and then we saw a surge in market. So the last few months, especially for New South Wales, who are, are entering their 12th week of lockdown, I feel like, and also with Victoria in and out of lockdown, I feel like there's going to be some serious um, moves to be made by purchasers and investors in the next couple of months. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Certainly agree. Oh, and you're theory. right. That that <laughs> that data that you're talking about, and we've been talking about it for weeks, and, and we can have a look at what simply happened in Melbourne. They were locked up. There was a lot less auctions. We have seen that the Sydney market fared better than Melbourne or Victoria, where I think this time last yeah. year, Victoria did like 130-odd auctions, where Sydney's roughly about five or 600. We're doing a lot more digital things, and, and we've, we've responded much better but um, what we notice is in Victoria, people came out of lockdown, listings skyrocketed, amount of sales volume skyrocketed, people were upgrading their houses, people from one bedroom going to two bedrooms, two bedrooms to three bedrooms, three bedrooms to houses. And I do think that, as you've said, this revenge spending will hit the market. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to just, I hate to be a, a dampener, to this sort of bright, sunny mood that we're painting. But do you, do you gentlemen think that there will be a, a slowdown next year? Like, can the market keep on ramping as it has been? And do you see it going for the next 12 months? Assuming the borders stay closed. Closed borders for a whole year? Yeah, say, say, you know, for the next 12 months, whatever you think, maybe the borders do open or don't, what do you think is going to happen in the next 12 months? <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't know, of course, but I can see the first, the, the, our first lockdown, um, or coming out of the back of our lockdown, our first wave of attack with property price growth was <clears throat> um, heavily injected by the government. Uh, this, the second wave, I feel like it's coming out of lockdown, less incentive by the government uh, for, for first-home buyers or for property buyers to grab. 
Um, but I think this falls in line with international migration or international borders opening up with an international demand for, for, the, for the Australian economy. And I think this uh, will propel again. You know, it will propel, and in particular, a few markets. You know, it'll propel your Sydney's and Melbourne's um, pretty hard over the next six to eight months, I think. It, it'll, it'll sustainably grow and it'll continue this growth phase. At the end of the 12 months, if we, do, if we have had already opened up, um, if we don't open up for the next 12 months, then I think we're going to feel the same correction as we're feeling probably now continued for, you know, for however until we can get our borders open. I think we can only internally grow so much. Okay, so you're saying it's, it's, as we've seen, simmering slow growth, maybe to stagnant, maybe to the end of next year if we don't open. Um, some markets are benefiting from us not opening, obviously Brisbane being one of them. Something like 30% of people are running out of Sydney, Melbourne, not 30% of people, but they've mm. seen a huge amount of interstate migration um, where Sydney, Melbourne are losing people, hemorrhaging people, and they're running over to Brisbane. So the Brisbane market is starting to climb uh, more than normal. And you're saying that if, if the state, if the borders do open up and we, we become a, a global participant in the global you know, society again, then, then the market will start to pump. Do you agree with this, Sam, or do you have a different point of view? Um, look, uh, optimistically, um, I think there is going to be a way out of this COVID scenario and talks of now, you know, starting to open up, talks of now hitting at certain vaccination targets, meaning international travel will recommence and, and things like that. And I feel like that optimism will translate into the property market um, at some point. So I don't think we're going to be forever closed. Um, and I, I will agree with, with Louis saying, uh, I think there was an internal growth that had happened and that could only go, you know, to, to a certain extent. But I do genuinely believe that when our borders do reopen, which they have to at some point, is that we're going to see international foreign players back into the market, um, um, putting demands on our housing um in in, in in these cities so yeah so I really believe we're not we haven't seen the end um, of this growth regardless of incentives from governments regardless of you know of first homeowners entering the market or not I believe that we are especially with interest rates still at a really decent low level I still feel as though um, you know in the months to come that purchases are going to get in and are going to capitalize of another good surge that will happen next year. So let's use that. One thing I mean, that, yeah. So one thing that we've noticed is, and, and I don't think clients really do understand this, that it is a seller's market. I want to make that abundantly clear. A lot of our clients have come to us or talking to us expecting miracles, and I understand why they do. We do often pull out miracles, but let's be clear that you all out there that are investors, people that are looking to buy real estate, you are in the majority of people. That's to say that there are a minority of people that are selling and there are a majority of people that are buying. So it's a seller's market at the moment. And it's getting harder and harder for people to go and get a good quality piece of real estate 
there is there are deals out there, but I'm finding that with my clients, my family and friends, the people that I'm talking to, I have to qualify a lot of the information and, and the projects. It's the things that we're looking at today are selling in the space of a week. And it's it's funny, people have to recalibrate their levels of interest and also the way the speed at which they're, which they're, they're comfortable moving at. Are you guys having a similar experience? I mean, I know anecdotally, but you know, are you having similar experiences with your clients where the conversations that you're having, it's, it's, it's as if they're, they're moving in a different framework to us? Sam, take it, um, please. I, look, I think, I think it is really dependent on you know, how savvy the investor is and how up-to-date he is with the, with the market conditions. I've got, I've got clients on one hand that understand that there is a hype at the moment and they want to be amongst it. But then I've got other clients that are still looking at purchasing and don't believe that things are flying out, um, out of the window because they still have a, they still have a chance. And, uh, and people are learning the hard way. And, and some of my, uh, in, uh, my recent clients have really missed out because they think it's an old sales bill that if you don't buy it, someone else will. Reality of the truth is, is that someone else is waiting to buy it. So, and we're seeing that with, with, you know, you know, trying to get stock and finally, you know, finding the right stock. And that takes a lot for us to, you know, vet out and ensure that it's an investment worth, um, worth our clients considering, but the hard work gets done. And then when presented to a client, they obviously have to do their due diligence, but sometimes, in the seller's market, your due diligence, uh, the seller's market won't wait for you and it won't wait for any procrastinators either. So I've said this and I say this since, you know, coming out of the last lockdown that if you're not amongst it now, you're going to be left and you want to be amongst it later, you're going to be saving up a little bit more for that deposit because the market is continuously to move at an inclined pace. And that's just fact not us coming up with it it's not me putting pressure on my clients it's not us wanting to get you know deals over the line the fact is is that if you don't get amongst it now you're going to be paying more for the same lot by the end of the year regardless of whether our our, our borders are opening because this is already strong internal market activity and that's the truth i don't i don't come up with these things (laughs) We, we we're seeing these prices month to month increase by one to two to three percent and that's the reality of it all. I agree. And Louis, how you guys have agree? you adjusted? I do, but how have you adjusted? Because I know that we've been working in different developments, whether it's Brisbane, Melbourne, you know, Sydney, Canberra, whatever. But even internally, we have had to adjust our perspective of value because the estates and, and the developments we're working, prices are increasing. How have you... Mm. How have you resolved, you know, seeing a developer increases the increase of prices? And are there any specific stories that come to mind where you've seen some crazy price increases or, you know, clients have had to stomach or seen, you know, a deal go from here to there? What any experiences that come to mind for you? It's <clears throat> it can be easy said as this is what it is and get over it almost. There's no you know, they added a car park, they added this, they added this, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's just because this is what it is. 
And if you wait three months, someone's going to buy it a week after you left it. And then the developer's going to increase the next stage of completion prices. And that's just what we're living in at the moment. So if you, if you, and I don't, I, without trying to repeat what Sam had just said then, because he said it perfectly, but if you sit on your heels, we'll then expect to not only miss out, but expect to pay more in a matter of a month or two months. Because it's, it, it's a, a developer's going to, he, he's playing, he's playing his hand and he's playing his hand well by purely basing it off demand. And if demand wasn't there, then he wouldn't increase the price because they wouldn't move. But these stock, uh, they not only move in price, but their specific lots go, uh, go quickly as well. So you have a, if you're looking on, you know, off the plan development and, and you're looking into some really nice floor plans or some really nice uh, you know, lots or you know, specific ones you want that you think will go first, I can promise you if you sit on your heels for too long, um, and uh, and I don't mean sitting on your heels for too long in getting your you know your your eggs in a row or your ducks in a row. You're getting all your you know finances in check, your your survey, your conveyancing, and a few other things. If you sit on your heels and you've got everything ready to go, but you don't pull the trigger, well then don't be sad when you miss out because it's yeah. it's what it is at the moment. I I just remembered a specific circumstance where you had a deal where the client was looking at the property and it literally jumped like a hundred k. Something stupid like that. I remember you telling me about I mean, that. Yeah. yeah. $75,000, exact same floor plan. You know, $75,000. sat on it, sat on it, sat on it. And then... Um, That's insane. Yeah. But... Imagine, imagine buying that and making seventy five dollars I know. Well, he, yeah, the I funny thing is, I wish I had an explanation for him. Mm. Oh, the demand. Yeah, he, he bought it. He, he was the one that bought it at the original price before they jacked it up. And then and, there was you know, another like client that wanted to buy it, but they did call it arrogant. Mm. It, it is what it is, and it's a sad thing to say, but it's a rational marketing that the developer wants to make as much money as they can. The vendor, the owner of the land, wants to get the maximum price. And if there's lots of people that are willing to pay uh, uh, buy it, then you just keep on ratcheting the price up until you know the, the market dries up. So mm. I, I won't well, keep on harping on this. Welcome but to capitalism. Capitalism. Um, what I'd like to do is, you know, we're learning some really interesting things by going across and paying attention to the UK market. Chris Hines over there, the, the, the man in charge of wealthy expats, is doing a lot of good work for us, helping a lot of Australian expats over there. So all of you listening, watching, if you've got expat friends all over the world, anywhere other than Australia, obviously, let us know and Chris can help. But we'll go over to Chris now. What's happening in the UK market, mate? Hi guys, I hope you're having a great podcast and I just wanted to provide you with a quick update on the UK real estate market. August has been an interesting month. Uh, It feels like we're going through a bit of uncertainty in the market at the moment. We've got government stimulus packages ending. Uh, We've got the government grants ending, furloughs coming to a close as well. Um, So there's a bit of uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen over the next few months. Last week, we saw reports and articles released talking about the dip in house prices and sales. Uh, However, this week, Zoopla released a very positive report provided a great insight around the market that we'll dig into a bit more detail throughout this video. So average house prices rose by 1.4% in the three months to the end of July, taking the annual rate of price growth 
to 6%, up from 2.3% in July of 2020, yet marking a slightly slowing of growth from June when the annual rate of growth was at 6.3%. Liverpool still leading the way in terms of price growth amongst the UK's largest city, with average homes rising in value in, by 9.4% for the year, resulting in about a £11,500 price increase. Manchester's also been performing very well with strong price growth of 7.7%. This rise is underpinned by the lack of supply in the market, with new supply down 5% of typical levels since the start of the year. And it's not enough to replenish the total number of stock of homes for sale, which is down 26% compared to last year. I believe that the rate of growth will start to moderate as we move into Q4. And I expect it to show an average of about 4 to 5% for the whole of 2020. I hope you've enjoyed this week's market update and have a good show, guys. We'll speak very soon. Thank you. Bye. Chris, thank you very much for that update. It's good to hear what's happening in the UK markets. It's a, it's a good indication of where the Sydney markets go. I mean, London is a much more mature place. You guys have come out of lockdown. You're transitioning and experiencing things ahead of time. So to see that there is strength in the market is a clear indication of what's going to happen to us when things do open up. Um, thank you for your time on that one. So gents, let's jump across to some wealthy wins. Um, I, I want to talk about a client of ours, Sarah and Nathan. They bought a house and land product from us last year. It was about similar time, nearly about this time last year, I believe it was. And they, they spent $750,000 for a four-bedroom house. I will ask Jenny to put up some photos of that house. It's nearing completion now. The property has come back at comparable house and land packs are being valued at $920,000 to $950,000. Um, wow. I, I have... I have to say that this is a beautiful looking facade. You've got that sort of, I mean, this is more, more um, does, Sam understands design and quality better than I do. Um, what a Hampton style is what you'd call this house. But it's, it's a beautiful looking home. And I love the fact that in, in 12 months, these people have made $150,000 to $200,000. These two are, I think they're 21 and 22 years old. Young couple, beg, borrow, and stole, got some deposits, scrambled it together, got mum and dad to help them, and now they can pay back that deposit or keep it there, and, and they're 200K richer. I don't know a lot of 21-year-olds that are making that kind of money. Anyways, congratulations to Sarah and Nathan. That's an awesome product. Yeah, literally. What a win. Round of applause from Louis. <laughs> Um, okay, so I want to go to our listener Q&As. We get these every single week. Um, I'll shoot it over to you guys, but here's the question. What are some non-negotiables when buying a property? What are some non-negotiables when buying a property? Mm. Pretty a general easy. question. Mm. It's a big, broad one. It's a broad one. Yeah, we have to have a little bit of context of what to, not to, what are the non-negotiables for what? An apartment? We can list the non-negotiables for a Some home. Some of your non-negotiables home, generally. When, home? Yeah, when you're buying a property, like what, when, when people are working with you to buy a property, what are some things that you're just like, 
no, I just don't want to do that or I don't want a client to do that. It's a big I think for me it comes down to um, big no-nos if I want to buy an investment property for rental purposes only. I think one of my big non-negotiables is um, the age of the fixtures and finishes. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that buying a, an investment property and, and do, and, you know, and, and trying to add more value or some, some, some people like to call it, try to manufacture capital growth um, is always a positive, um, is always a, a positive thing. So um, I like to have a, a, a rentable, good quality, something to stand the test of time for at least minimum five years before doing any kind of improvement. So Quality fixes and finishes is something that I really look out for, and they're my non-negotiables. Yeah, that's a good point, Louis. Um, break it down. Uh, connectivity. Uh, if we're looking at investment, look at and we're looking at numbers, population growth. Investment and infrastructure by government, good connectivity to a CBD, good uh, good connectivity to other suburbs, um, a really strong population growth, a really strong employment, um, not only uh, employment levels, but a good employment opportunity, good ac- access to healthcare, good access to education. I mean, I, you could you could go on and on and on, but if you if you if you check these these four or five boxes and you check them well. Um, it's a it's a non-negotiable for me. Well, it's going to work out, but it, it, I always, you know, these these five sort of core boxes have got to be checked. I've got to say, my non-negotiable for clients is doing something too complicated for where they are in their journey. That's a non-negotiable for me personally. I'm not going to tell a client or advise or get them to jump into a deal that they can't do. So, for instance, um, I I'm not a massive fan for people to try and over-engineer a deal to try and buy something they're going to subdivide or go land bank something or that for me is non-negotiable for me is taking too big a punt on your first and only investment. I'm a much bigger believer in taking safer, more cautious bets. I mean, by all means, if if you've got a family that support you and, and cash that you can rely upon or mum and dad can help you if you stumble and fall sure you can take afford to take some punts but my my thing is people should take measured safe bets with their investments and don't do anything too crazy that's my big non-negotiable so thank you to that client question there keep it simple stupid huh keep it kiss keep it simple stupid so um let's wrap up this season um with with some little personal notes, we'll go around and we'll start with Sam. <laughs> what what is what's personal your note. one? No no no. What's your one wealthy tip? What's the one thing that people can do today to make their life a little bit wealthier? However, whatever it is, a book that you've read, a, a quote that um, you've heard, a, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think I think my tip. Um, and it's something that I really convey to all my clients, whether you're first-time investors or you have a portfolio of five, six, is that there's no such thing as a perfect investment. If there's potential um, and you've done your due diligence on the property, 
um, um, take a punt on it and, um, and just know that you're investing in a, in a growing market and you're going to see the fruits of it at some point of the journey. So really keep it simple and know you can't have everything um, you know, in an investment, but you can um, you know, you know, make it worthwhile. I like it. What about you, Louis? <laughs> <laughs> um, my, I, I won't, I'm not sure, I'll leave Sam with a tip. Sam's tip was, um, you, can, you can only have one tip for the end of this season, so take on Sam's tip. But my final parting thought for season two as we enter spring is that think back to um, times before this and I can promise you the people who had, uh, I shouldn't say the people who bought and who the people who didn't buy, but the people who bought or had the capacity or capability to buy an investment and chose to have won and the people who had the capacity and capability to buy an investment, you know, six to six months to a year ago have maybe once again lost and I could guarantee they've, or they've missed out. And I I think they would be in a state of regret. So think about where your head was at six months ago and a year ago and let, or help, let it help you make the decision. You know, if you are contemplating buying now, and preparing for the new year. Both of your uh, tips really sound like take a punt. It really does sound like just bet on yourself, have a go, get into the market, um, have a bit of faith and do the work. So, you know, that's why I think that they're both good little wealthy tips. And I, I think that that stands true to many, many decisions that you could go make out there, whether it is buying a property, buying shares, you know, learning to go invest in cryptocurrencies or whatever the hell it is. It sounds like you two guys are saying, you know, act, be brave, do something rather than not. And I think that yeah, that's just, really just good go and do it. Tip. Agree. Great. My one little wealthy tip is just, um, what is my one little wealthy tip? I think, you know, my one little wealthy tip is go and create some space for yourself. One, I've, I've recently moved to Lake Macquarie and I got out of the, the rat race in, in Coogee and, you know, this has been really good for the soul. I've, I've really enjoyed the time away, you know, the quiet walks, a bit of, you know, space for thinking. And, and I think that that's been really, really valuable to me to, you know, figuring out, better figuring out what actually matters and, and, it's all well and good to try and build a wealthy life, but if you haven't clearly articulated what it is, then it, you're basically running around in circles. So once you're, you're clear on what it is that you like, it makes it much easier for you to go after that. So, you know, I want to say thank you to all of you that have been listening, supporting us for season three. And um, I want to thank you two fellas for the time that you put into the show, the work, the research, the time you, you put into your clients. And for all of you out there that are watching, listening, uh, been liking, subscribing, commenting, we appreciate all the feedback. We don't agree with all of your comments, but it's good to have a battle. So, you know, thanks again. Have an amazing spring season. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be back next season better, stronger, and with lots and lots of good news. Um, wealthy experts will still keep on running. So, yeah, remember to sign up to the Academy. Catch you all later.